I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview with myself, Andrew Musgrove and John Gibson. John Newcastle United face Manchester United on Sunday. The race for the top four is fully underway. I actually made the mistake of thinking Manchester United were further ahead than uh, than than they actually are not. They're only three points ahead. Um, so if Newcastle United beat Manchester United on Sunday, not only are they going to be in that top four, but they could be uh, third as well. Oh, it's a huge incentive, and that's right. Um and it shows how much those six points from the last two games has hauled us back right into contention where we should be, because, of course, we've got games in hand. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting where we finish. It is in our hands. I do happen to think we will make the Champions League, probably from fourth. Uh, I've got a feeling that Manchester United will probably hold on to three. The other two are away. Um and we've got to hold off the galloping hooves we can hear behind us from everybody, you know, that, that are, are congregating. Spurs are in there, of course, um, between us, sandwiched between us at this stage. We don't know what their reaction is going to be to losing Conte. They're working under a caretaker, but it might just free them up because Conte was so negative in the way he played, which was quite staggering when you think they've got Song and Kane. You would think anybody that managed Song and Kane would be very offensive to play to their strengths, but no. Um, and, they, of course, their caretaker, I think, was caretaker for a couple of games and they won them both. So it could work to their advantage. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. But it's a terrific game to come back to after a fortnight's break. And we'll come back to it in a totally different mood because of the last two games before the break. Um Six points from the two games after losing three on the trot. It off calmed a lot of nerves. And I think above all, Andrew, there was the the performance at Forest as well as the result that lifted spirits because for great periods of that game, we looked like the old Newcastle United. You know, the high press, playing with a good tempo, uh, being secure at the back outside of the one clanger that happened. And starting to score goals again. So we do go in in a totally different mood. You mentioned there the international break. Listeners to the podcast know I'm not a big fan of international football. I, I like watching the tournaments, but the international break throws my head in. I haven't watched any of the games um, over the last fortnight. How have you survived, John? Have you have you been catching any, any of the internationals? 
Yeah, but not with the same enthusiasm. At one time, uh, at the Chronicle, I covered the World Cups as well as the Olympic Games. Um, and they were terrific tournaments, but they were the finals. You're right, they were the finals. The finals are something special. The qualifying matches, and I think one of the problems with the qualifying matches is, you know, if, with due respect, if you're Scottish, the qualifiers are wonderful. What happened against Spain was sensational for, for Scotland. But England tend to just qualify, don't they? We qualify. It, it puts hopes high, of course, because we qualify in a canter, top of the league, having lost one, if we're lucky to have done that somewhere along the line, and then we come to the reality of the finals. But the qualifications are so straightforward and here we are, played 2-1-2, two, two, that it takes away a little bit of the, the, the great thrust and parry of it. So I'm a finals man like you, rather than a, a qualification. Well, it's interesting because I mean, we're going to get slightly distracted and I promise we'll get back to Newcastle versus Manchester United in a moment. But just because you mentioned it there, John, I've always been a big fan of them changing up the qualifiers when it comes to England and, and the qualifiers as a whole. In, in, instead of seeding teams, let's let's throw some of these big teams in with one another. I know England versus Italy, but let's throw another team in there. And people go, well, that means the big teams won't all get to the to the majors. Right. Like, I'd rather England qualify by beating the best teams because what happens is, and you've alluded to it there, is they easily qualify beating San Marino, beating all these teams with no no disrespect to them that you expect. England to beat them sure. and then when they come up against the Germanys and what have you and I know they've beaten Italy but that's a different story when they come up against the, the top sides like France for example they can't handle it because they've not faced on a consistent basis in a competitive arena the top teams and I think in the years to come they should just maybe change up the way teams qualify I don't know what you think about that yeah, it's an interesting thought. I haven't looked at it that way because they always do it on A, B, C and D, the different pots, don't they? Um, but also the thing that would make it for the romantic is that you would get more uh, countries that never make finals get into a final because they were in an easy group because some of the big names went in with, say, England and you would get some of the romantics. You know, when Wales... I, I, I don't mean... That was particularly romantic because they weren't out there. Yet. But when Wales qualified, etc., it was wonderful for them, wasn't it? And it was a great occasion. And they, they went there with Bale and Ramsey. And so just getting there was huge. So it would open up that situation for other sides. But, um, yeah, um, I think it's going to stay the way it is, going to stay for, for a while. But, um, consequently, my... I say it's slightly different if you're Wales or Northern Ireland or, or even Scotland. I mean, Scotland, the result with um, with Spain, beating Spain 2-0, sensational. And by the way, McTominay, uh, you know, bring him on. We are, we are interested in him um, for a summer signing. And he, he not only scores two, the two against Cyprus, but he scores the two against Spain. And this guy's supposed to be a holding midfield player, not even an attacking midfield player. He's super we want him to actually sit in front of the two centre-halves and allow Bruno and our new signing to push further forward. This guy scored four goals and he's written himself into, into folklore. He could also play against us because Casemiro isn't. 
he could he could be in against us. If that's so, I want him to um, forget for an hour and a half what happened with Scotland and why we want them in the summer, or perhaps remember we want them in the summer, so don't do too much damage to us because you might be playing for us next season. But it's going to be interesting. But yes, he could be because of Casemiro. He could be in against us. It it depends. Well, just on uh, McTominay, like you say, he could feature um, against Newcastle on Sunday because there's a, there's a couple of injuries at Manchester United um, are facing ahead of that that game. Casemiro, like you say, will miss it due to a ban. And then you have uh, a sabotizer who wasn't risked in Austria's win over Estonia on Monday. Um, now, when we mention McTominay to Newcastle United, and it's, it seems definitely one that Eddie Howe is, is keen on, linked last summer, linked in January and then linked again for the summer coming. It seems that there's there's it, it's weighted in one way, John, and it's that Newcastle United fans, at least on social media, don't think he's that much of an upgrade, aren't big fans of him coming, even despite the, the, the four goals he scored in the last week or so. I, I'm i of the, the, the mind of the trainer thought that if it's good enough for Eddie Howe and Steve Nixon, it's good enough for Newcastle United. I think he's a player, as I said on the, the transfer show, earlier this week with Aaron, that doesn't grab the headlines. And that's maybe why this reaction um, comes about. What's your view on him? Would you like to see him in, in, in black and white if everything fits in? It's into... funny you should say that because it's the one where the jury's out for me as well. But uh, I think for fans, you don't look, do you, until they arrive at defensive midfield players. They're not the blue-eyed boys, are they? They, they do the, the dirty knees job, if you like. So they're not going to catch the eye. You look at the attacking midfield player. You look at your centre forward. You look at your fullback who rampages down the wing. You look at the creativity, uh, the offensive side of football, not the defensive side. You even look at your centre-halves and you want to look at them like Botman or Shaw coming out with the ball and, and being able to knock it about. So a defensive midfield player, which is what Newcastle's team is and which is where he's made his reputation, yes, he was pushed forward and yes, he scored four goals, isn't somebody that attracts an awful lot of attention. But uh, to be brutally truthful at the moment, like you, I'll go with what Newcastle United in the current regime think is right for them. And you do need the dirty knees players you know, you can't have a, a team of ball-playing centre-forwards. You can't have a team of some maximums and think you're going to win the league. You, you've got to have this, somebody that rolls their sleeves up and does the dirty job, and that is what a holding midfield player does. It's funny because I think what we're essentially saying is the defensive midfield position isn't a, isn't a sexy position, which, you know, will, will set the heart to light. Yeah. But if... Tomorrow you wake up and Declan Rice is signed for Newcastle United, who is also a defensive midfielder. I can guarantee the reaction to him signing over McTominay would be vastly different. And Rice is a very good player, but he's not having the best seasons at the moment. Yet, you know, we strip all that away, defensive midfielder, the reaction would be a hundred times different, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. But but then you're looking at the creme de la creme. I mean, you know, we can sign Chris Wood, but if we'd signed Messi, there would have been a greater reaction. Of course there would be, because he is so much a better player. But, um, you know, and and Rice can do a little bit of everything going forward, etc. So I know Graham Souness, our old manager, says he's not the complete midfield player. Uh, and I know, I know where 
Souness is coming from because Souness was the complete midfield player. He, he got his foot in and he could play as well. I'm talking about a player, not a manager. He wasn't the complete manager, but he was the complete midfield player. And, you know, that was something we had with Wood Hullet as well, who wasn't the complete manager, but was the complete striker. And by their high standards, they look at some players and say, well, he's not world-class or he's not world-class. But how many people are world-class? But yes, Declan Rice. But I don't think Newcastle are quite at the situation where you get Declan Rice at this stage. Because if you're Declan Rice and you're going to leave West Ham, who have been in the positions in the last two seasons that Newcastle are in now, not this season, and you're going to give up West Ham, which is a bit of a love of yours, because you need something better and you need Champions League. Do you try to get a more nailed-on side like Arsenal than Newcastle? But in two years' time, it would be Newcastle that Declan Rice would come to. It might be a bit early to get that sort of player. But just sticking finally on, on McTominay, is he an improvement on what Newcastle United have got in the midfield? We're not talking about Bruno Gumrash because we know how good he is, but I'm talking elsewhere. Sure. I know sure. he's a different player to Joe Willick, but is he better than him? Sean Longstaff is the one he's been compared with. Do you think he's better than Sean Longstaff? I Very difficult. Obviously, Newcastle United do. I'm not. That's not having a go at Sean. You see, I think we're quite thin in midfield. You know, we need some more bodies and that's why we're looking at two midfield players signing in the summer, one a holder and one an attacker because we've seen how limited we got when Joe Linton um, got suspended and Joe Willick had an injury and Bruno was carrying an ankle and all of a sudden we're thinking, can we get three out there? And one of those three had to be Elliot Anderson. And didn't he do well when he come on? But he, he didn't really come on on what I will consider his position to be in two years' time, which is a centre midfielder. He's a bit young and a bit inexperienced for that. And he came on as a left winger, essentially, didn't he? Um, at Forest and was excellent. Uh, but he will end up midfield. But we're very short in midfield. We do need those two players uh, one is a, and I mean at the moment wouldn't it be nice okay if we accept McTommy might be the the defensive guy would we accept that um, uh, Madison was the other guy I think we would uh, and that would complete a much better midfield but I mean some of the signings we made you know did we get wildly enthusiastic about them before they arrived I mean, we did with Trippier because we knew what Trippier was. We we thought Byrne was an honest-to-goodness man. We'd heard about Botman and thought he's got a bit uh, going for him. But did, we didn't know how good Bruno was, etc., uh, etc. Et we, we just relied on Newcastle United, who I think have, have got it right to a startling effect uh, since a new regime and Eddie Howe came in. I mean, most of the signings, and I'm not a Chris Wood fan, as you know, uh, but um, and was very overpriced, but did a limited job when it was necessary, and so fine. Target hasn't quite pulled up trees. Um, uh, Eloy cost what sixteen million or something in the end, and you know when you can't get in for a. a centre-half who's eight foot six in your specialist position, you've got a problem. 
But then, I mean, I always remember talking at great length to Bob Paisley when he was winning everything at Liverpool, including all the European Cups. And he said, no manager signs 100% success. He, 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 the best manager signs the highest percentage of success. And you get the non-successful people out as quickly as it's possible to be. And Newcastle did that with Chris. You know, he lasted a season and then was away to Forest, etc., etc. Now forgotten about because you've got Wilson and then Isaac's come through as the new boy and everybody's hanging their hat on him now, and rightly so. Um, so, yes, Newcastle's record is great enough. For, if they sign McTominay, I'll take that, especially if they also sign another midfielder who's called Madison or somebody equivalent of that, um, the guy from Southampton uh, or, or whatever, as the attacker, then you're cooking. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting summer to come. Um, just finally on the international break, John, obviously Kieran Trippier was involved. Nick Pope was called up, but out, uh, dropped out. Um, and at the Wales, you got Isaac over playing for Sweden. Um, yeah. It looks bottom like both, pulled out. Yeah, bottom pulled out. Looks like both came uh, through unscathed, which is fantastic news. Just how important is it for those players to be on international duty? I know from Newcastle's point of view, you are sitting there watching maybe with your, uh, your hands over your eyes, hoping that they don't pick up an injury. But from their point of view, and I, and I guess as well, a benefit in Newcastle, what is the benefit in Newcastle to have these players away on international duty? Well, I, you've got to, haven't you? If you're going to be a top four side, um, regularly punting to be in the top four, and that is our ambition now, and it, it's not wishful thinking, then you're going to have players that are good enough to get into international sides. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in the top four. Um, so that's going to happen. And it's good for players to to see that what happens at Newcastle gets you in the side. It's good for Bruno. Forget what's happened this break because he needed it not him not to be in the side. But he has he is regularly in the Brazil squad. It's good for him to see that he can be at Newcastle and still play for Brazil because that then thinks, hey, I'm okay where I am. I'm loved where I am. We're in the top four and I'm in my in international squad. So that fits the bill. Also, I like them to go away because while they're away, I would like to think they're talking to the best players in their international squad and telling them how wonderful it is at Newcastle United and perhaps making life a little bit easier if we come knocking at the door of some of these players in the, in the very foreseeable future. 
Yes, tell them all about the beautiful quayside in the, the seven Um, Let's then look ahead to Sunday's game. It is a big game. It's the kind of game and what's on the line is something that at the start of the season, you would have been laughed out of the room if we'd said into March, Newcastle United win this. They'll go level on points with Manchester United in thirds. They'll go well. Yeah, and they'll go, they will go above Manchester United because of the goal difference. You would have been laughed out of the room if someone had said that to you at the start of the season, wouldn't you? Without a shadow of doubt. Without a shadow of doubt. We expected and we knew we would get a significant improvement on last season and on previous seasons under Steve Bruce and everybody uh, before him is part of the Ashley era. We knew there was a significant improvement, but I think we would have settled for anywhere between 7 and 10 is an improvement this season and then expect to knock on and look at the top five next season. We've done it straight away. It would have been laughed out of court. And we can still finish anyway from uh, third to about seven because there's a dozen games to go. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It will not be decided on Sunday where we finish in the league. Those three points are significant and can make a very big difference, but it won't decide our final placings. We can still make the Champions League if we lost. We wouldn't have helped ourselves, and I don't expect us to lose. But, um, yes, it's 12 games to go, and it's in our hands because we're playing so many of the clubs around us in those 12 games, that the points are, are, are there to be got. And while I think Arsenal, Man City and, yes, Man United will make the Champions League, whether Manchester United make it from third or fourth, with us third, that's a different ball game. But I think they'll make it. And so that one position is up for grabs that we are going for, Spurs are going for, Liverpool's going for. And yes, in theory, Brighton and Fulham are going for. Um, that position is up for grabs. Now, you can either get swallowed or you can make it. And uh, I think we've got a very, very good chance of making it. I genuinely do. And our hearts have definitely been lifted by the last two results. Hmm. And to make it, you win games like you do on Sunday, it certainly helps. Now, you look at Manchester United, you know, they're in a great run of form. But what stands out from, from an outside point of view is that they still look very vulnerable at the back. And one of the big frustrations about the Cabal Cup final for me, John, was that, you know, not even a day later, I'm talking the, in the hours after that final whistle, I was sitting there thinking, goodness me, what a missed opportunity. Because Newcastle played all right. They were average, but they didn't go out of first gear, really. They didn't really push themselves, I didn't I didn't think. Uh and my United were there for the take, and in my opinion, if they, you know, my United were not brilliant on the day, they just took the chances, and I felt Newcastle had missed a massive opportunity. I think you take that into Sunday's game, you've got nothing to fear against Manchester United. They're vulnerable at the back, they can be hit and miss up top. You've just got to make sure that the chances you create, you take against Manchester United. Do you think they sure. will do on Sunday? Sure, uh, yes, they've got to, and you're absolutely right, and you're summing up. I mean, if you look, for example, at the latest Manchester United, when they played Fulham at Old Trafford in the Cup, they were played off the park until Williams handball. I mean, they, they were second best. And then Williams handball, and of course Mitrovic, surprise, surprise, went loony. 
Now, we've never seen that before, have we? Uh, when absolutely Looney start barging the referee round, I was sitting goggle-eyed at, with, at, him, at the referee. I mean, there's no way he's going to escape a long band for that. The manager sets a perfect example by going crackers and disappearing up his own trouser leg. Um, and then Manchester United went on and won 3-1. But it wasn't a 3-1 game. They'd look poor. They'd look poor. They do not produce some of the performances that, say, Arsenal or even Man City have produced, where you say, oh, dearie, dearie me, we'll be lucky to get none today. Um, you know, they, they haven't produced those sort of performances. They are vulnerable. They have got a, a, a way with things. In the main, in re recent times with Marcus Rashford, without that having been our cup final of the Fulham game. But he has made a big difference. Uh, so has Casemiro, who scored the crucial Wembley goal, the header that opened the doors. Uh, he is not going to be there. That's good, good news for us. They've got a centre-forward, bless him, who is, who is worse than Chris Wood. Wegos, I mean, he's, the amazing thing is, he's played all 18 games since he arrived on loan from Burnley and scored twice. And Paul Scholes has said he's not good enough to wear the shirt. Rude Hullett said he's not good enough to wear the Dutch shirt, which he's, he's just worn this international break. And he's certainly not in the class of Isaac. Um, so, but they've got a few other players around him who have got class and we have got to recognise that Rashford's good, that Fernandez, who drives me cracket with his whinging. I mean, he's like a well-smacked bum, isn't he? When you when you see him on the field, he really does irritate, but he can play. Uh, so, you know, they've got players who can play, but they're not like Arsenal. And we got to draw Arsenal. We've got to draw uh, at Man U, if you remember. We owe them. And the only thing I would say, and you're absolutely right, you're saying they're vulnerable at the back. We've got to get amongst them. If we score the goals, we can do it. Will we score the goals? That's a good question. We've played them twice this season, never at home. But we haven't scored neither game. It was not not at Old Trafford, and it was 2-0 in the cup final. So we've got to start scoring against them, and this is the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I mean, interestingly as well, you can pinpoint both that, those games that you mentioned there. And Newcastle should have at least had one goal. Joe Linton uh, should have had one at Old Trafford and Dan Byrne um, at the very least should have had a goal down at Wembley. So it's all about taking the chances. One man who I think will take the chances if he gets the service is Alexander Izak. We're finally seeing why Newcastle paid all this money for him. You know, he's proved anyone that doubted him wrong he looks so sharp. He looks, he look like we're, we're both big fans of Callum Wilson, John. It's no secret on this podcast. Mm. But Alexander Isaac, for me, he just looks a level above Callum Wilson, and Callum Wilson is, is up there. But for me, Isaac's just looking just like such a good player. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and right at this moment, because the I think he's above the, the Callum Wilson we love. Uh, in any case, but right at this moment, Callum Wilson's dipped so that the um, the gap between them is quite significant. Uh, I want to see Callum Wilson come again because we need all the forwards we can. We've got 12 matches. That is a lot of games. We've still got 12 matches to be played. We've still got Brighton to show on into the fixture list somewhere along the line. Um, 
So we need all hands to the pump. But yes, Isaac is beginning to look what we believed he looked and what we were convinced we saw at Liverpool in his debut. I thought he had a sensational debut when he scored the two goals and one was ruled off. And I still, to this day, can't believe it was ruled off. But he had a sensational debut. He had an impact debut. You know, you remember people that have debuts like that and you go, whoa, and you remember for a long time. And then, of course, the injury come and, and, and everything went sideways and it wasn't certain that he was fit enough um, to last 90 minutes. We weren't certain if he could play with Wilson or Eddie wasn't and, and didn't play him with Wilson, apart from as a sub now and again. Um, but he, he does look... That is part of what I'm talking about, that the last... Two, we lost three games on the trot 2-0. OK, you could say they were great opposition. Liverpool, but they weren't great on the day. And they're not great this season, but they're still Liverpool. We lost to Liverpool, we lost to Manchester United in the cup final, and we lost to Man City. You can say top-quality opposition, but we lost three, 2-0. We weren't scoring, we are letting goals in. But we've corrected that in the last two games... And um, the last game in particular, Forrest, has given us terrific hope. The one thing I want to see, though, is we have still got the best defence in the champ in our league, bon on. We've only let 19 in. I mean, when you put Man City have let 25 in, Arsenal at top have let 26 in, Chelsea 28, Liverpool 29, Man United's let in 35 and we've let in 19, and Spurs have let in 40. In their brothers, and we've let in 19. However, having loaded the defence like that, in the last eight league and cup games we've played, our last eight games, league and cup, we've never kept a clean sheet. Um, we've always let one in, one in, one in, and then those three games where we let two in when we lost 2-0. We've never kept a clean sheet, and we've kept an awful lot of clean sheets. Now, when you don't keep a clean sheet, it doesn't take a mathematician to work out you've got to score at least two to win. And if you're struggling to score goals, two can be a big ask. So I would like, if we can get back to being what we were, which is cleaning them out on Sunday, a shutout, that guarantees you one point, doesn't it? It guarantees you won't get beaten. Then we've only got to score one and we've got three points. I would like to see... I'm not putting the onus on the defence because they're magnificent. And I'm not... But, you know, you want belt and braces, don't you? Let's go back to those clean sheets. We haven't kept the one in eight games. And if we do that, we don't lose. So it's a great platform to start from. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think on Isaac, it was really important, actually, that he went away with, with Sweden because, obviously, he hasn't really had too many consistent weeks where he's been playing. So for him to get the goals against Forrest, I think it's important that he had that momentum still going coming into this week. And, of course, he played well for his country, didn't he, in the, in the international break. So I think that was really important. He comes back unscathed and ready to go against Manchester United. It's Let's look true. at... It's true, Andrew, but it, it worried me at the same time. Yeah. You know, because yeah. if you realise, it was when he was away with Sweden, he got the injury that kept him out for about three yeah. months or whatever it was. So I'm going up. I'm looking at the end of both internationals to make certain that he didn't come off injured rather than wonder whether he scored a goal because I just want him to stay fit. Yeah, it's easy to say it now that he's uh, he has come back unscathed, isn't it? Um, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about the, the team then. Um, 
We expect Nick Pope to be fine and dandy, so he will start. Trippier back from international duty, like we said, on Skiff, so he'll start. Now, Botman pulled out because of some food poisoning, but he's been pictured in training, so you would expect him to start. Cher didn't feature in his uh, country's international squad. You would expect him to start, wouldn't you, John? Yeah, I would. Um, I would yes. You know, but I'm, I'm not even going to say it's a debate about left-back because... I think Dan Byrne starts. I think he's done well enough in the last few games that he just keeps that uh, spot. Will start, um, yeah. um, and then in the midfield, midfield's the big the big question, isn't it? Because the man behind me on the green screen, Joe Linton, is back from suspension. I keep saying it. For me, Newcastle's most consistent performer this season. But does he come straight back in, John? Because it's not as easy as I thought it might have been to say yes, actually. Because it isn't, it isn't because of Willock. Willock yeah. is coming, Willock, who effectively come in for him because uh, Bruno and Sean Longstaff were nailed on at this moment in time. So Willock come in. And the two games that we won, Willock has been absolutely outstanding in both the games. Um, and there's no, and of course, he is loved by Eddie Willock yeah. because he's played. He's either started or come on in every single match this season. And by the way, Joe Linton's loved by Eddie as well. So there's a problem. What's Eddie do about it? I think he'll keep Willick in midfield and he'll play Joe Linton wide left up front uh, with um, Isaac as your centre forward in whether it's Murphy or... And I know we're not certain about Almeida and, and Gordon in fitness terms and the send maximum to bring in as well. But I wouldn't be at all surprised if Joe Linton played wide left, which he was playing recently, wasn't he? He, mm. he played he played wide left recently in the team. I wouldn't be surprised if he played in there. Interesting, interesting, because I've seen a lot of people suggest that. I just wonder whether he is, though, still most effective as part of that midfield three. I would think the person that's most a threat is Sean Longstaff, but then I do worry whether the midfield then has the balance if you take Longstaff out. I mean, would you think it would work if it was Joe Linton, Bruno and Willick across the middle? It could work, but you would be taking a lot more out of um, Bruno because you would have to be out and out defensive. I know he can do that, but he would have to be out and out defensive with um, with uh, Longstaff not there because Willick's not going to be that. Um, and Joe Linton will get forward while he can while he wedges his foot in all over. Um, I think the compromise, and I'm trying to put myself in uh, Ariao's boots because they're the only boots that matter, would be to play him left. And why do I say that? Because who could play left without him? Well, it could be Anderson on his second off display, uh, but will he start him in his bigger matches, Manchester United, and expect him to last? the full game, will he give him that responsibility it could be some maximum but he is kept flattering to deceive and I think he's running out of time, it could be Gordon but I don't, if he's fit and he's supposed to be fit enough to be able to take part in this match in some shape or form I think it would be much more likely to be off the bench hmm. I mean it's interesting because you, you go back to that Cabo Cup final and Eddie Howe was absolutely brutal at half-time, wasn't he? He took Sean Longstaff off, brought Isaac on. Now, we're not going to see the same formation because Isaac essentially played as a as a number 10, you know, behind Callum Wilson and, and, and impressed, you know. Um, 
But I do, I do wonder whether he might. And I get what you're saying about Bruno because you'd have to sit back and be defensive. But you know, if Gordon's fit, I could, I, I could see Gordon being on the left. On the right, I think it'll be Murphy because I don't think Miggy will be fit enough to start. I'm not even sure he'll be fit enough to be on the bench. I'll happily be proved wrong with that. Um, but even then, I think Murphy has done enough to warrant a place in the in the starting eleven as it is. Um, and then it's Isaac up front. I mean, the, I mean, aside from the, the middle, John, it, you know, like we say that the wings is the other interesting one. Um, you know, St. Maxman has a history of kind of turning up in the big games, but I'm kind of a little bit of sick of saying that because I'd like him to turn yeah. up every other week as well. I don't think he, if everyone is fit in terms of, well, and we'll throw Joe Linton into the mix as well. You know, Gordon's fit, Miggy's fit, Murphy's fit, St. Maxman's fit. You know, I think St. Maxman's maybe third, maybe even fourth choice to, 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 to be on one of those, one of those flanks. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think they could well sell some maximum in the summer. Um, if you're going to get rid of one big name to open up, not just the wage structure, talking about fair play, this is, um, but also the, the leverage because of the fee that would come in for that big player to allow you to do things anywhere else. In other words, be a little bit clever about what you do. For me, the one would sacrifice is some maximum. And I've got a feeling that while he is a wonderful PR for himself, and I mean that is a big uh, plus and a, a well done you, um, I don't think he, he, I think he thinks I'm not the number one guy I was. Am I, is this right for me? Um, and I think we could see some maximum disappear in the summer. The key word we're saying when you say, well, I send maximum and Maggie and Murphy and Gordon and Joe Linton, all who can play wide. What you're then doing subconsciously, people, is deciding who your two wide players would be on the presumption everybody is Matt Sharp. Now, I'm not certain that Miggy or Gordon are Matt Sharp. They're fit. They can well be fit, but fit doesn't make you Matt Sharp, especially the way Newcastle play with the high press, etc., etc. I mean, Isaac was fit for ages, but according to Eddie, he wasn't match up because of the high pressing game we play and that was part of his explanation why he hadn't been starting him and um, and i'm not gordon hasn't had a run here has he to to really got into the i mean it's going to happen because they paid 40 million as sure as day follows night it's going to happen but i don't know that it's going to happen on sunday i would think he would because often Eddie introduces somebody after something like this by bringing them on as sub. And I think Miggy and Gordon could come on as subs. And I don't think Maxi has done enough to justify starting to be truthful. Mm. And can we keep hoping that he turns up? I mean, you know, when it does, it's great. But can you run a team on... You know, a women to play, a, a, a quality team, you're gone. And I don't think he's deserved that chance, which is why I think that it could be Murphy and Joe Linton. But the manager knows how fit Miggy and Gordon are, and that will be very, very important. But, for example, I couldn't see them starting with both those two because there's question marks against their fitness, Amir and, and Gordon. But I oh, yeah. I could see in three weeks' time them starting with Almeiren and Gordon, 
when mm. they've been introduced and they're back up to 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 their right fitness levels. I'm, I'm I'm sure Jacob Murphy would have a thing or two to say about that, and it's great to see him taking his opportunity as well. Because for me, I think he's he's definitely in a spot against Manchester United on Sunday. It's the other flank, has, which I think yeah, is he the has one. A, there's no question that Murphy should start on Sunday, and it's just the other flank, and it's just a way of getting Joe Linton in the side. Mm, it's interesting the Joe Linton dilemma because I think with Casemiro out. Manchester's midfield, in terms of defensively, becomes so much more vulnerable. I mean, Casemiro is one of the best midfielders in the in, on the planet. I know, and he does a really good job. But when he's not on that side, Manchester United definitely drops down a peg. And I think even if Joe Linton starts out not that left, I think he'll be given it a license to roam. He'll be up and down the pitch. He'll be left, right, everywhere. I don't necessarily think he'll stick on that flank. We could even see later in the game maybe Joe Willick shifting over in that position and Joe Linton dropping back as he has done previously. But I think one thing's for certain, John, um, and even though I said it's, it's not as easy as just saying yes, I do think, however, Joe Linton will be back in that start at 11. It's just the question of where sure. and for who. I, I think that's absolutely right. And so then you've got to say, uh, where does he fit in and do the least damage to other people? And he, Willock's nailed on a, a midfield position. And if it would be unfair for Murphy to be left out, and it surely would, it you could make a case it would be unfair for Sean Longstaff to be left out. But it wouldn't be unfair for Maximum to be left out, who is the guy that did start the last game on the left wing, of course. You see, I, I think people listen to the podcast and you know, across social media, I think... I think they'll say Sean Longstaff is the one most under threat. Um, and it, and maybe, John, it's a little bit like what we've been discussing with McTominay. Maybe because he doesn't really grab the headlines and, and, and sure. you know, the work that he does goes... He's a dirty knees player. Yeah. player, which is what I've been on about. And by the way, and this is just meant as a little laugh aside, when you were saying, and you're absolutely correct about Casemiro's uh, out of the midfield, so they go down a notch, well, the back, the guy that comes in might be one of the people that comes to us in the summer to be one of our saviours next season in the Champions League, and that's Mac Tomney with his four Scotland goals. So I, I just hope he doesn't do the job that uh, that Eddie thinks he can do at Newcastle United on well, Sunday for them. If Sean Longstaff starts, it's a perfect opportunity to say, "Hey, boss, watch me mark this guy out of the game. Watch me do a, you know, be much better than the guy you might be replacing me with in the summer." Um, right, I'm going to push you then. Left on the left side, because I think we both agree Murphy's set for the right. Yes, left yes. side. Who's who gets the the nod? Is it Joe Linton? For me, it's Joe Linton because of the uh, fitness doubt about Gordon starting. I think he'd be used as a sub. I think that Sam Maximum didn't last beyond half time at Forest. Hey, Elliot Anderson deserves a start ahead of if uh, Maxi. And we're not mentioning Elliot. Mm. He he deserves it on his second half display at at Nottingham Forest, which was absolutely outstanding. And by the way, Manchester United are a much better side than Nottingham Forest. But on that performance. He would deserve a start ahead of Maxi, so I think it it will probably, and it could be anybody with with Eddie because he does his own thing and he's seen it. D 
day to day to day, and we haven't. But I think it could be Joe Linton in there as the one change, really. And, you know, we talk about Murphy taking the opportunities. It's great to see Alec Arneson as well, because he's not going to get maybe as many opportunities as other pe people like Murphy, for example. So when they do come his way, he's got to make sure he steps up. And like you see, that second half performance from him um, was absolutely superb. So more of that to come, hopefully, from Elliot Anderson. Isaac up top, no question about that. Let's uh, finish off, John, as per then, with your results uh, predictor. How is this one going to go? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, very much an interesting one. As I've said already in print this week, it's not a revenge mission for me because you can't get a revenge for um, losing a cup final by getting three points in the league because in the end, those three points mightn't take us anywhere. There's another 11 games afterwards, etc., etc. It's not a revenge mission, but my Joe would off like to beat Manchester United, wouldn't it? Not just because we won Champions League football, but because it's Manchester United and we're sick to death of them. And especially people with a little bit longer memories like me. I mean, they stopped us winning our last two trophies we could have won at Wembley in the FA Cup final of 99 and the League Cup final. They also, if we remember, the older guys of us, the entertainers would have won the Premier League two successive seasons, if, but for Manchester United. And, and we the season we beat them 5-0, which is what we go on about, and wasn't it magnificent with Philip Albert chipping the best goalkeeper in the world, Schmeichel. They still went on and won the title last season, you know. And we finished second. We beat them 5-0, but they still won the title. So they were a side that were absolutely sick to death of. And if I look at the match on Sunday, my first thought is that we don't get beat. Well, you know, you say, what's the result going to be? I think we won't get beat. My head tells me it'll be a draw. My heart tells me Newcastle will win because I've been uplifted by the last two games. And I've always been a heart person and I'm going to go with my heart. I think we will sneak it against them. I don't think we're going to lose at all. It's a matter of whether we draw or win. And um, if we could keep that clean sheet, wouldn't that be great? We'd only have to score once. If, if oh, they yeah. score, we've got to score twice. Not impossible. We've done it in the last two games. But I think we'll we'll sneak it. I don't think we're about to lose. I'm going to go for a draw. I think uh, I'd love them to win, but I'm going to go for a draw. Um, a very important point in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, I think it's a draw for me. I'm just looking forward as well, John, just finally to be back at St. James's Park. Uh, it's been been a few weeks, hasn't it? And it's always you, nice. You better oh, enjoy yeah. it as well, Andrew, because we've got three way games to come after this. Hmm. So, um, you know, it's quite a run when you think of it. We've just played away at the Forest. We've had an international break. Then we're home. And then we're away three games. So, yeah, we want to get back to home comforts, don't we? Yeah, 100%. I'm sure War Flags have got something very special plans. We'll be bringing you uh, live coverage of that game on Sunday through our live blog over at chroniclive.co.uk. And we'll bring you Eddie Howe's press conference on Friday morning as well, where I'm sure he will probably won't give us a solid update on Miguel Almiron, but we'll continue to play the anyhow guessing game as we love so much. John, thank you very much as always for popping on to the podcast. You guys listening, hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. And as I say, head over to chroniclive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news. <laughs>